Our Heavenly Father, we bow in humility and gratitude. We're thankful for America. We're thankful for brave men and women who put their life on the line every single day. And those that have done so in the past. And the graves that are filled with the bodies in our own city of thousands and thousands of soldiers. Who paid the ultimate price that we take for granted. Our liberty. I pray God that you will bless America. If we will just humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. I pray God for families that today. And many have done it for many years. Have grieved, wept. Because of a loved one that did not come home from the battlefield. I pray dear God that you will bless our leadership in America. Bless our president. Bless our, our entire Congress our cabinet, our Supreme Court, everything about this country, God. May we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. I am so grateful, God, to be able to have the privilege to preach the inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God from this pulpit. Bless our churches. Protect our churches from the evil one. And bless those that grieve today because of the passing of these students that were so close geographically to our church campus that died last week. And, oh, God, would you bless those homes and those families with a peace that passes all understanding and comfort us, and may we hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We in America are paying a high price for taking for granted our liberty and what it means. We're paying a high price as we have revolutions and riots in our streets, as we have massacres in our schools and in our churches. We have divisions in our families. We've had hurricanes, earthquakes, forest fires, and one of our states just far crossing the big island in Hawaii. We have disrespect for our country in many different areas. The high profile of athletics has brought it to the surface recently, but there's been many other things, and I do not intend to go into those. But from the beginning of civilization, it was made very clear by our Creator that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission for sin. I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 9. We are not sure who wrote this book, Hebrews. It could have been one of several people, and everyone has made a choice, or many have made a choice. But I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 through 28. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, 
but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must be often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I want you to listen closely this morning as I talk about no blood, no salvation. No blood, no liberty. No blood, no freedom. The scripture is so clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. All through the Old Testament, we read about a sin offering. If you get into the scripture and you begin to read it verse by verse, you will see when you get into the New Testament, the word blood continues all the way to the end of the New Testament. If you have a book like a concordance, where you have the listing of all the scriptures in the Bible that have the word blood in them. The, the word blood, which many churches have totally released it, and it will not be mentioned in the pulpit because it, it upsets the people that come to hear it. But from Genesis to Revelation, there are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures with the word blood. You cannot get away from the importance of the blood. We wouldn't be alive if blood was not pumping through our veins and our bodies right now. Our blood represents so much. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross was the sin offering. It was the offering that God paid for our sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone that's familiar with the Bible knows the importance of the blood. We sing, what shall wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as we gather here today and we think about the value of the blood that flowed in the veins of our soldiers throughout our history, that blood brought freedom and liberty to us that no nation in the world can compare to America and what we have in our wonderful country. Yet, we make it a mockery to God that we have walked away into our own way of thinking and have made the blood not essential even in the religion of our world and our country. In the Old Testament, the word blood is used a lot relating to man. And animals. When you get over into the New Testament and Jesus, the story of Jesus comes, when you see the word blood, most of the time it is referring to Jesus, the blood that washes white as snow. Matter of fact, Matthew 26, 28, 
brings this out real clearly. It says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. When a church takes communion, Lord's Supper, the table, this do in remembrance of me. What are we doing? We are remembering the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that paid for our sin. It was he who paid the price. And when we look at the blood on the battlefields, it does not take away from that blood because that blood was shed in order that we could have the freedom to worship as we chose and seek truth as we should. And ultimately, you can know the truth and the truth can really set you free. Not only for the cares of this world, but free from sin. Always, always saved. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus, the blood will never lose its power. And that word blood runs like a scarlet thread through the entire Bible. I challenge you to go check that statement out. Nothing, nothing, nothing compares with the blood. In 1 John 1, 7, we read, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Can I tell you something? You're important to God. You matter to God. I'm sure I'm talking to a lot of people right now, and you don't think you're worth anything to anybody. You may have even thought about taking your life. You've thought about moving to another place, quitting your job, dropping out of school. Because nobody cares about you. Yes, there is. And his name is Jesus. And he would have shed his blood for you if you'd have been the only person on the planet. Because he created us to fellowship with him in all eternity. And while we're down here on the battlefield that he fought on for those just over 30 years, and now we're in that world, he knows what's coming against us. And yet he says, I that am in you is greater than he that's in the world. And my blood will take care of your sin. Your works will not take care of your sin. My works will not take care of my sin, but the blood of Jesus will. And when you take a position that I'm quitting, I'm giving up, I'm just going to go eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I may die, you are missing the greatest thing that would ever happen to anyone that was born on planet Earth. Now, many... Many that I'm speaking with right now, a lot of your sin, and this does not excuse it, but it's a fact, was done in ignorance. You didn't know any better. When you did whatever you did, that now if you've read the Bible, you find out that's a sin. When you did it, you didn't really know it. You didn't say, I'm just going to go sin. What you said was, I'm going to go have a good time. I'm going to do like everybody else. I'm going to get out there and just have a good time, eat, drink, and be merry. But 
God loves you still. Even if you didn't know, God knows it, and he doesn't kick you out. However, what he does do is he takes you in the darkness and brings you to the light. And when he brings us out of darkness into light, then all of a sudden, good things begin to happen. I still challenge any of you to find somebody that said the worst decision I ever made was to leave the sweet old devil and come to Jesus. I've yet to meet my first one. I've never heard anybody call me or send me a text and say, I just want to tell you what the sweet old devil's meant in my life. I've yet to see the first one. But I've received thousands of letters in my more than a half a century in the ministry that said one day somebody took me to Jesus. This Bible is full of people like that, male and female, young and old. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, what's your background, what language you speak, how old or young you are, how smart or lack of intelligence you have. God loves you unconditionally. And he has a plan for your life. And if you will let God's blood of his only begotten son come and pay for your sin, you can be born again. And you can be saved. And by the way, lest I'm, somebody doesn't understand this, when the Bible says the blood of Christ cleanses from all, A-L-L, sin, it means all sin. Yes, your sin. No, preacher, you don't understand. No, your sin. All sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Sin is sin. We categorize sin. Bad sin, not so bad sin. Medium sin. You know, here we go. That's not the way the Lord does it. Sin is sin. But the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. See, the Lord knew how we were going to turn out. Look at Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, doesn't that not explain a lot of stuff? Don't have a clue what they're doing. I would have to admit to you, and I don't guess it's an admission, it's just a fact, that uh, unknown sins can't be confessed. Now, you may want to send me some emails on that. But if you don't know it, you can't confess it. Does that mean that you're not guilty? Sure you're guilty. So somebody needs to tell you what sin is. And then you can take care of it. Somebody charges on your account, and you find out about it, you still owe it. But you want to know, well, how can I pay it? Well, the Lord said, here, just take this and pay it off. That's what the blood is about. And when you are able to find out this is a sin and was, is, and will ever be, and I cannot go back, but I can go to Calvary and the blood of Jesus, if I will confess it as sin. Now, if you're still wondering about whether it's sin or not, you're not there yet. But when you know, I sinned, and I'm confessing it, and I'm repenting of it, and I'm running to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I hope that if you do live in darkness, you'd want to know where the light is. I would hope that you would not just keep walking into walls that you walk into that the devil puts in front of you and say, I need to see the light. 
I'm tired of doing this. I'm upset with doing this. I'm upset with myself. Not only do other people turn against me, I'm turning against myself. And yet the Bible says we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not seeing who we are until we come to Christ and he points out to us who we are. Unknown sins, when they are known, need to be confessed. But we've got to trust the blood. Without getting into theological arguments, we have to trust the blood. If there are known sins, they're to be confessed. If not, let go and let God. Notice something else. In the Old Testament, they had to bring blood offerings. The lamb, the goat, many, many stories there. The sin offering, that was Old Testament. When they would have a time for salvation, they would come and sacrifice the lamb or whatever. That was Old Testament. We don't have any sin offerings in the New Testament. Why? The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. It's all taken care of. We don't have to provide the offering. The Father provided the offering, and the offering is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name that I know. And he's just the same today as he was 1,000, 2,000 years ago. Most of our sinning, I'm sorry, is on purpose and not out of ignorance. Most of us know what sin is and do it anyway. When you know that God gave his only son in order that you could have freedom and asked you to abstain from all appearance of evil and everything tells you this is wrong. Not what did the court say about it, but what did God say about it? What does God say about little babies? What does God say about marriage? What does God say about a family? What does God say about gender? It's not what the culture says. It's what does God say about it. And the only way you're going to know that is to get in the Word of God. And you can either bet your eternity on the culture of your generation or you can invest and bet your eternity on the inspired and errant and fallible Word of God. And if the Lord calls you into judgment and says, why did you do that? Here it is. This is the reason. This is what has happened to me. I found it in your word. But the devil says, but you can't understand it. you got to go to seminary to understand it. Oh, dear friend. Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. That may not hit the top of the charts, but I'll tell you what, it's true. It's good theology. It's good theology. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Well, how do you know that you know you're saved? Because God said so. Well, that's not enough for me. It's enough for me. And you know, I don't really pay any attention. I'm old enough now. I can get away with this kind of stuff. I could care less about people's opinion. All I care is, thus saith the Lord. And you know something else? When you get older, you'll find this out. He's right all the time. Even when you were a teenager and acting like a fool, God loved you. 
let you live. A lot of friends didn't live. I can look back at my high school days at Pasadena High School. They never got their certificate because they died before they ever got out of school. And some of them because of direct, overt sin. They chose to get drunk and have a car wreck. They chose to do some of the things that they did. But I know this. God loves us unconditionally. Unconditionally. And you know in the book of Genesis where we find that first story in, in Genesis chapter 22, that God will provide the lamb, the sacrifice, you remember? said, God's going to supply the lamb. How am I going to get that? God's going to supply the lamb. Well, he has. The lamb of God is Jesus. And he came. He fought on the battlefield. He shed his blood. He was buried in the grave. And three days later, he rose. And 40 days after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that same Jesus, as we've seen go, is going to come back to this earth. Again, I'm going to give you four things real quick. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to give you four observations for you at home to think about. Number one, I want you to think about the people God has in his army today. Think about the people God has. God saves us and leaves us here for a purpose. You know what the purpose is? To get in his army. Be his family, be his army. He'll give us the spiritual gifts. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but he gives us spiritual gifts to go against the evil one. I want you to take note as you go home of the people that God has. You know people that say they're Christians. You know what they do when they're not at church. Are you impressed with his army, or do they need some more training? Do they need some more study of the Word of God? You answer that question. But God wants people... that don't know him, to know him. It's called evangelism. It's called missions. And through the power of the blood, Jesus can take a vile sinner and make him a powerful, powerful instrument with the gospel. If you'll go back and read the biographies or the autobiographies, of some of the greatest Christians that lived in the last 500 years, you will find that an overwhelming group of them, and it would be a majority, their early days were days of sin and rebellion. But one day, God touched them. And God changed them. And some of the most powerful evangelists that I've ever heard, pastors I've ever heard in my life, their growing up story was not a good story. It was a terrible story. But one day, Jesus came into their life. Amen. The only hope for God's people is that we live our life in the power of the Spirit of God. And that Second Chronicles seven fourteen pops up so many times in my preaching. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We're to humble ourselves. We're to pray. We're to seek God, and we're to repent. And then there's the pride that God hates. The majority want to change the environment instead of themselves. You ever notice that? We all want to change the environment. We've got a bad environment. We've got to change everything around us. Why don't we change ourselves? That's where most of us need to go. We need to get on our knees and get right with God. And God's people 
are given God's power when asked for it to stand against the temptations and against the powers of darkness. We are given the opportunity to do that. Sin is a disease, but there is a cure. A blood transfusion will take care of it. Not many of them. One, the blood of Jesus will cleanse from all sin. And while you want to get in and argue with me, let me get in, stay in my argument with you. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You see the word must? Look at that on the screen here in the auditorium. Not might be saved, must be saved. There's no other name. There's not many gods, there's one God. God had one son. His name was Jesus. And he rose from the grave. All the other religious leaders are still there. But ours is alive. And God, I don't think, has ever told us. I'm sure he hasn't. And guaranteed us that we're going to ever change our culture. I don't think we will. But I'll tell you what I do think. I think people's lives will keep getting changed until the Lord comes back again. If they'll just let go. God will change anybody, anytime, anywhere, but not against your invitation. Come, Lord, save me. Come, Lord, I'm ready to get out of this mess. I'm ready to move from here and go somewhere else. There's a lot of people that moved to Houston. This is the only place I've ever lived. They stayed three years and they move. They don't like it. Well, look, when you get God in your life, it doesn't get any better now. Wherever he leads is where you need to go. And maybe you are to be a missionary, to leave here and go somewhere. Every time I sign those things of people moving, going, I'm thinking, there's another missionary going out. There's another one going out. There's another one going out. And sometimes when I see where some of those people are going, I've been there, I pray twice for them. (laughs) God have mercy on them. They know not what they do. And Isaiah 54, 17 is that beautiful scripture. No weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, he will condemn. This is a heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. We don't have any righteousness, but he does, and he sure would like to get it spread before he comes again. He would like for everybody to hear it before he comes Again, And our weapons, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 4, of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I read several years ago of a young communist, young man, who was interviewed, and there was a long story, and I only wrote down one line that he said, and here's what he said, and this has been at least 20 years ago, talking about communism. He said, we will win. For we are more dedicated to what we believe than you are that say you believe and you're a Christian. We have more commitment. I hope that's not happening, but there's some signs that it is. And they're major signs. But the thing I do know is if God tells us to do something, he'll give us the power to do it. He'll give us provision to do it. When our church made its mind up a long time ago, we're not going to go borrow it. We're going to let God provide it. The way God, if we do anything at Sagemont Church, if you're a guest today, you'll see no offering place today. You sign no pledge cards at Sagemont Church, but we believe God will supply every need 
And when the needs pop up, God just seems to have a way of blessing people that he wants to bless, that he can flow his wealth through. And that's been one of the greatest material things we've seen, realistic things that we can see in our generation, that all power is given to him in heaven and earth. God will give you the power, and God will give you the provisions to do whatever he calls you to do. Now, we can remain a part of the problem, or we can repent and claim the victory. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, we read these words, Wherefore, that him that thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. Yes, there comes a time when God can withdraw his invitation from you. There can be a time when God will take your answer, no, not now, later, as your last and final answer. Pride is what keeps us from saying, yes, Lord. Pride that makes us think we still have it together. Pride causes us to break those commandments. The psalmist said in the 119th Psalm, verse 21, You have rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from your commandments. God takes serious what he tells us to do. Then, the prayer that God hears. The prayer that God hears. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Save me. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. God wants to hear you pray that. Not my name's Jimmy, what you going to give me? Not God, I need this, I need that. Help me do this, help me do that. Please let me get out of school. No, Lord, come into my life. And I want you to come and live in me so that I can represent you well. And that is the prayer that God hears. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. That's the prayer God hears because that's what he told you to pray. And he said, if you ask me, I will give to you what I promise you. And that is a brand new life. And the final thing is the promises that God honors. I'll give you an illustration see if it works for you. It sure does work for me. You know, if you turn on your lights at home and... They don't come in. Is your first thought electricity is a farce? There is no such thing as electricity. Probably not. I think what you're going to say is there must be a fuse out. There must be a switch that's turned the wrong way. Because I know electricity is real. I touched it one time. I know that stuff is real. I mean, you know, one guy was just out flying a kite and it messed him up for a while. But you know what we say? We say, hey, what is the problem in America? S-I-N. You agree with that? Yeah. It's not your political party. It's not how much taxes you pay. It has to do with what have we done with Jesus? And then we hear, well done, well done. The promise that God honors For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We may be sick in America, but I know the great physician.
And I know that he's not waiting on MD Anderson or our wonderful medical center to come up with a cure. The cure for sin was taken care of 2,000 years ago. It's the blood of Jesus. There's, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Thank God for those that shed their blood that America would have freedom. But even more, thank God for sending his only begotten son to die on a cross that we could have everlasting life. So I want to challenge you and challenge me to start right now. We can't undo the past, but we can start with today. We've talked about the people that God has, the pride that God hates, the prayer that God hears, and the promise God honors. And the promise is what we close with. And that is when God's people pray and pray for sinners and live a life that makes people want to know more about who we're following, we will see our way home. And we will bring people with us. And so I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. In just a few moments, we're going to be walking out of this building. We don't know what another day will hold. But here's what we do know. God loves us. God sent his son to shed his blood that we might have freedom. Don't go out of here in bondage. We have a room directly in front of me, behind the television cameras, out in that foyer. Look at the first door to the left over here or the first door to the right over here and go into that private lobby. There'll be people sitting there to talk with you, pray with you, get your questions answered. After there, you can come over and get a family Bible in this other room, which is just a few feet down the hallway. But ladies and gentlemen, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. The only weapon that will destroy evil is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you, don't go out of here today. Whether you join this church or not, that's your business. But I want you to go away loving Jesus.